And I'm so excited to be able to preach to you today, to share God's word. And I'm thankful for Ray Babcock for preaching two weeks ago, and for Bill Smith for preaching last week, and to David Yardy for preaching next week. Let's pray. Jesus, open our eyes and ears to your word. And may the words in my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. John chapter 6 begins with a crowd. And as crowds are, they're noisy, they're angsty. They often get hungry, and this people, this people is hungry. They're hungry to hear Jesus, and they're also their foods are getting hungry. Be, their foods, their stomachs are getting hungry because it's dinner time. And so Jesus asks an important question. He said, "Where are we going to get food? Where are we going to be able to buy food for all these people?" And one of them speaks up and says, "Well, we don't have enough money to pay for all of that, so obviously we can't do that." And nobody said, well, we wouldn't even be able to find enough bread to, f- to feed all these people. That was the reality they were in. But he was saying that to test them. And they found one boy who had five loaves and two fish. And Jesus had the people sit down. There were about 5,000 men there, probably not even counting women and children. And Jesus took the loaves. He gave thanks to, the, to God the Father. And he began to distribute this bread and this fish. And as you, if you know the story, as you know, there was so much that they gathered 12 basketfuls. And everyone was amazed. And the people said, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And they wanted to make him king by force. Now, could you imagine having the opportunity to get Jesus to be your president? We would all take that really easily because most of the presents we have just are not good enough. In fact, you will never find a world leader good enough to lead a nation. We have what we got. But when Jesus came down, they thought, wow, he could really make things much better. So they want to make him king by force, but, by force, but he withdrew from them. He took a walk on land and then he took a walk on the lake which none of us can do not by the lake but on the lake and then he went to Capernaum where as you know if you look in every every place where the scripture points to Capernaum we see instances of unbelief I don't know what it is about Capernaum but that's kind of what happens there people don't believe and the people went and they met him at Capernaum The people who ate the miraculous multiplication meal, that's what I call it, found him right there. And Jesus has an opportunity not to feed them again, but this time to challenge them. And he says to them, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And I would, if, I, if that was me, I'd scratch my head and say, no, I, I've, I've eaten things and had my fill before. I'm, I'm coming to you because I saw a miraculous sign. But Jesus turns it. No, you're not, be, you're not doing this for that reason, because you are full. You were hungry, but because of me, you're full. Is there a report in your life where you've actually come to the realization, wow, I'm full? 
Or do you still have that hunger, the emptiness? You came to me and you had your fill. And he teaches them, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Grab a Kleenex real quick. You probably wonder if I could ever get through a sermon without tearing up. I don't know if I can. I try. Jesus is teaching to work for one food. That food that endures to eternal life. What is that food and what is that work? We do all types of work to eat all types of food, don't we? In fact, we don't want to just eat one food. We want to have a variety of foods. Bill Smith graciously brought our family uh, uh, some food this week, and he was going to give me city barbecue, which I love. But I said to Bill, you know what? We had city barbecue recently. Can we have something different? Here's my other go-to. How about some La Parada? He said, okay. We want a variety of food. Or if you're like me, you just want the same cycle of food over and over. We like what we like. Give me something different every day and then let me return every now and then to the things that I love. That's kind of our mindset, our stomach. But he says, no, work for one food, the food that endures to eternal life. Well, what is that work and what is that food? Here's the work. Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Here's your work. To believe in the one he has sent. Well, that seems kind of passive, doesn't it? Because in our culture, in our mind, to believe is just to have this mental agreement to something. But really to believe is to put your trust in. To hop on the back of the one who can carry you. That's, the, that's to believe. And so they said, well, we need a miraculous sign in order to believe. And so here's our question. Do you need God to do anything more in order for you to believe? Some of us may have been there. Some of us may be there right now. Do you need God to do anything more in order for you to believe? If so, what is it? And you have to ask yourself the question, why do I need that? Because here's the reality. If I need something more, perhaps that's a God, an obstacle God, in the way of the one true God. The God who came, gave himself, died, and rose from the dead. Jesus said, I'll give you no other sign but the sign of Jonah, which is the resurrection. Isn't the resurrection enough for you? Do you need God to do anything more? Or perhaps you're in a place where you're like, well, I need him to do something for me, but also I need the other people who I know in my life, the other people who I love in my life, to experience the same thing that I experience with God in order for me to believe. Maybe it's a communal thing. It isn't odd they ask this, or... They demand this. We need another sign because what just happened? 
they were all in a huge crowd gathered and Jesus took five loaves and two fish and he distributed them and there was extra. Isn't that enough? What more do you need from God? Well, they apparently needed something. Jesus is not a magician or an illusionist. Don't you love magicians? I know some people don't really like them. Illusionists make you say, wow, do it again. Let me see that again. Because you know it's just a play on the, it's a trick on the eye. But for Jesus, it wasn't a trick on the eye. This is just an amazing event. And they're saying, do it again. Do something again. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't desire God to do miracles again because God still does miracles. I believe that. I hope you believe that. Here's what I am saying. The Son of Man changes your view of the world. Not do it again, but now I see the world through the eyes of God. That he's always present with me. God doesn't have to convince himself that he's present with you. But sometimes you might have to convince yourself that God's present with you. You believe. I see the world through God's eyes, that he's present with me and that he loves me because he's with me and he provides all that I need. So they're saying, we need a miracle. But what does the great hymn say? There's a lot of great hymns. Here's the one. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. We need a miracle. Versus, you've given me all that I need. I trust you. God's given us, the church, this community of faith, a different view than that of the world. We don't need a miracle because we see God at work And we believe that Christ is risen from the dead. Yet at the same time, we believe God still does miracles. Here's the food. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread from heaven, sorry, for the bread from God, let me read that again. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So our work is to believe in him. Our food is Jesus who came down from heaven and gives life to the world. And as Jen pointed out in the Trojans lesson, that makes a lot of people upset. And the reason why it makes people upset is because how can he claim that he came down from heaven? He's a human being like us. We know where he came from. He's from that backwater town called Nazareth. We know his mother and father. We know his siblings. And he says, I came down from heaven. Here's the response. They hear it and they say, Sir, from now on, give us this bread. They're not making the connection that the bread is actually him. He's the bread. You can say that's a response of of faith, or you could even say that could be a response of ignorance. 
A faithful response, give me this bread, Jesus. It's you, I know it's you. A response of ignorance is, I want whatever bread you have. Where is it? That's the response, but here's the revelation. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He's a straight shooter. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. When's the last time you were full? Are you full today? What do you hunger for today? And then the response of unbelief. He goes on to tell them why they don't believe, and then they begin to grumble. The Jews begin to grumble about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Where did people grumble before in the Bible? In the wilderness, they were hungry. They began to think about and reminisce the pots of stew they had back when they were slaves in Egypt. Why'd you bring us out here in this desert to die? They said to Moses. We had it better when we were slaves. Bill touched on that last week. And they grumbled because they were hungry in the desert. And so God provided them food. Bread from heaven. So Jesus is pointing back to that. They're grumbling. And Jesus says, stop grumbling among yourselves. My kids do this. Do your kids do this? Food is, is a very difficult subject for young kids. Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father. Jesus is saying, that's me. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. Again, I am the bread of life. Is that offensive to you yet? Jesus was not just some... Go, happy-go-lucky guy who had warm fuzzies and invited people into him and didn't challenge him. No, he was a huge obstacle, a stumbling block to the Jews. He crushed people. He's tough. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread. I imagine he hits his chest like that. I came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. This is a hard teaching. Of all the teachings of Jesus, love your neighbor, yeah, I can get on board with that. A lot of people in our culture get on board with that. Do, good, do to others as you would have them do unto you, I can get on board with that. Forgive your enemies, well, that's a little, that's a little too much, but okay, that's still nice. But eat my body, drink my blood... If you eat me, you will have eternal life. That's a hard teaching, right? I'm not wrong. And I will raise him up to the last day. Everyone would agree with me on that. 
It's a hard teaching. Even the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? His own disciples. And then later on, Jesus says, everyone's leaving. Do you want to go too? And what do they say? They look around. They're like, well, we have nowhere else to go. And then they confess, you have the words of life. What a great chapter that is. That's all of chapter six. And I encourage you to go home and read it again. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That's the very last sentence of that. I want to give you some scriptural context. Why bread? Of all the things, why bread? Why not, I'm the milk of life. Now I'm the stage where we have a new infant and the infants drink what? Milk. Sometimes formula, not cow's milk, but the mother's milk. And as far as I know, there's no other food that comes from the human body except the milk of a mother. Right? And it's amazing what that milk does for a child. My child has grown more in two weeks than you have grown in the last two weeks. Unless you gorged yourself on french fries and potato chips and hamburgers from McDonald's. But as far as percentage-wise, the amount of growth my daughter has had, she has increased exponentially these last two weeks. And it's amazing. But Jesus doesn't say, I'm the milk of life. Just like a nursing mother, I'm the one who gives you life. No, he doesn't say that. Why not the wine of life? Jesus, after all, turned water into wine. And he poured out his blood for us. He said, if you drink of me, you will never go thirsty. But he doesn't say, I'm the wine of life. He says, no, I'm the bread of life. Why not the oil of life? In the Garden of Gethsemane, where there were olive trees, Jesus was being pressed like an olive. Gethsemane means the pressing place. And he was squeezed to the point of death just like an olive. And we also know that the oil represents the Holy Spirit. Why not the oil of life? Or why not the fish of life? I'm the fish of life. He says, I'll make you fishers of men. He multiplied fish. Fish are living things that die to give you sustenance. Why not that? You ever ask yourselves those questions? Maybe it's not a very profitable question. I think it is. Instead, I am the bread of life. Why this metaphor? Why this description? Well, here's some scriptural context. In Exodus chapter 12, we learn about the unleavened bread. Leavened bread is with yeast, and it's what most people eat, where it puffs up, and then you can bake it and then cut into it. And isn't it just a wonderful thing? You put some butter on it and some jam and you eat it, it's so good. But unleavened bread is something different. You don't put yeast in it. You just put the dough in, you throw it in the oven, and there it goes. And this is my favorite flatbread at a restaurant in Indianapolis called Bosphorus. They're not paying me to say anything, but if you want a good meal, go to Bosphorus. And the bread is good. It's surprisingly good. And I, of course, I'm going to spoil it for you. I asked the owner, I said, do you make your own bread? He goes, shh, don't tell anybody. He's like, I just buy it from the store. <laughs> but they toast it. 
It's some good bread. This is what I'm thinking of. This is a tandoor. Is that the correct word? Tandoor? Avi knows more about this than I do. In India, it's very common to make naan. You take the flat bread and throw it in on the side of the oven. It sticks there. It puffs up. It's, and it's very, very tasty. Anybody like naan? Yeah, I'm making you hungry. And of course, the best of all, flat bread with some sauce and cheese and pepperoni. I'm just making you guys hungry. I'll stop. Unleavened bread. He said, back to the Bible, <laughs> tell the whole community, take a lamb and slaughter it, and then get bread, not with yeast. And here's how you're to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, eat it quickly. Eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. And so he said to them, celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread because you're going to remember this day. And of course, that day, that night, God swept through the streets of Egypt and took the firstborn child of all the Egyptian families. Yet every household that had the blood of the lamb on their door frames was passed over. And they woke up to wailing. People were devastated. Their children were dead. Even Pharaoh's son was dead. And he said, get out. Quickly, go. So they grabbed their unleavened bread. They already had their sandals on, their staff in their hand, and they headed out. Be ready to flee from the evil one. Because Christ has set you free. And God sustains us even as we enter into this new life. Jesus is the one who empowers us to flee evil. And he is our sustenance. He forgives us of our sins and he purifies us from unrighteousness so that we can live a victorious life. Praise be to God. That's the unleavened bread. He is our good shepherd who guides us and provides for us. Then we have the bread of the presence in Exodus chapter 25 verse 30. It says, put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. That's the temple. Which reminds us of the constant presence of God. But with Jesus, he is always with us. And as he says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is the bread of life. We have Elijah at Zarephath where he... He's in the middle of a famine. He comes and finds a widow with her son. And they're getting the last bit. Of, they're getting sticks to go and fix the last bit of flour and the last bit of oil to make a tiny cake of bread just so that they can both have a little nibble. And then they're going to go die. But Elijah says to her, take me in and I promise you, your flour will not run out. Your oil will not dry up. You will always have enough food. And of course it happened. For the jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. This was a miracle for continued life. Jesus not only allows us to continue life. He resurrects us from the dead and gives us eternal life. In fact, eternal life starts today. Today is the day of salvation. Then we have Jesus tempted in the desert where the tempter came to him and said, 
I see that you're hungry. Aren't you hungry? Tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus responded to Satan, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bread can only fill the stomach, right? But Jesus, the word of God, fills us with the fullness of God. Little lessons we can learn from scriptural context about bread. Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread or food is our common, regular need for life, right? We all are going to go home and eat something. Amen. Jesus is the common need for all humanity for true life. He said, apart from me, if you don't eat my body, if you don't drink my blood, you have no life in you. That's for all people. In the Lord's Supper, he took the bread. We're going to do this later. He broke it. He gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. The great thing about bread is you can break it, not just once, but as many times as you want. And the broken bread points to Christ's broken body, which means Jesus gave himself for us. And there's always enough. Not just for us, but for the world. But more than those things, this is what Jesus is pointing to. He's pointing to the bread from heaven. He says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And of course, he's jogging their memory about the Exodus story. Where they're grumbling in the wilderness, having no food, and they cry out. And God says, I will give you food. I will provide bread from heaven for you. And it wasn't like all this bread came down and then they had to divide it up. No, everyone went out and they gathered these little flakes from the ground. And they couldn't keep it for a long time because if they did, it would spoil. There'd be maggots in it. They had to go out every morning and get enough for that day. Those who gathered a bunch had enough for their family. Those who gathered little had enough. There's always enough. God's gift of manna sustained them until the promised land. Jesus is the bread from heaven given to us so that we may live in heaven with him. I'm the bread of life, he says. This is a different bread. The manna was unrecognizable. They, in fact, that's what manna means. It means what? What is it? Manna? What is it? It was from an unfamiliar source. The bread we know originates from the ground, from the stalks of wheat. The bread we know originates from the earth. But this bread that Jesus gives us is not from the earth, it is from heaven. The true bread from heaven that gives life to the world. So how does Christ claim that he's the bread of life shape our church community? That's all introduction, here's my two-minute sermon. We are a community of one loaf.
I find it odd that there are churches that say everybody is welcome and everyone's on their own spiritual journey and whatever you need to fill you in your spiritual journey, we're going to support that. There are churches like that. I can't even believe they call themselves churches. And if it sounds like, wow, J.D.'s bashing other churches, I'm not bashing other churches, I'm, I'm, I'm condemning heresy. There's one loaf. Now, yeah, there are many loaves in the world. But for us, as a community of believers, there's one loaf where you will find your life. And if I said there's other loaves where you can find life, I would be leading you astray. No, there's one. It's Christ. And so we as a community, we hunger for this one. And if you have an appetite for anything other than this one, you are being led astray. And as your pastor, as your shepherd, I want to say, no hunger, fix your eyes on Jesus. You need him and him alone. Now, obviously, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about food. You can go eat whatever you want. But hunger for Jesus. And secondly, we hunger for him because we ate and had our fill. You don't seek me because of miraculous sign. You saw it. You ate and you had your fill. Which is all our testimony if we come to Christ. I've tried other things in this world. They always leave me empty or always wanting something else. But when I came to Jesus, he satisfied me completely. He's what I need. He's all I need. And with him, I'm full. It breaks my heart when I hear stories. I have friends in my life who leave their wives for other women. And it's happened to some of my friends in recent history. And I know it's not just, it's not because their wife didn't fill them. I know it's because Jesus wasn't the one filling them. When Jesus isn't the one filling you, you will always run after something else and it will damage you. And lastly, Jesus is always enough. If you feel like you have nothing to offer and in the last year and a half, this pandemic, you may feel that way. I felt that way. enough for me also I have I always have something to give if you're in a place today where you may not have much money or you may not have much influence or you may not have much hope I want to give you hope today with Christ he will fill you up you will have enough for you and you will have enough for the world around you There's much to give with Christ. I don't know any other loaf that can do that. 
And I don't know any other love that can do that. Jesus is the one. So God, we give you ourselves as you've given yourself to us. We bless your holy name. You are the bread of life. And we want you. We come to you. We feed upon you. And Lord, in these next few minutes, we actually will break the bread, drink from the cup, and eat the bread. Thank you for filling us. We don't need to have to continually come back in order to be filled. We eat this bread because we are full. And we remind ourselves that you are the one who makes us full. We love you. Amen.